Welcome to Coffee House. We are doing a book review. This is for about mid-2022. And we are just looking back at some of the books that we already read because we've done, we're going on 300 of these episodes now, or over 300 now. So I wanted to do a quick look back at some of the things that we looked at early on so those don't get lost to the ether. So here are the some of the ones. I'm just going, uh, I did one book review previously, and so I'm just going in order and mentioning some of the episodes that we did, some of the books, and some of the other episodes that we did along the way. So the first one that we'll talk about is The Complete Poems of William Butler Yeats. That was one of the ones that we did early on, and he has, you know, some of the most referenced poetry in history, you know, especially The Second Coming is a big one, but some of the things that encompass his poetry are things like pessimism and conservatism, emotion and lived experiences. He wanted to emphasize the emotion and lived experiences, and he generally opposed science and progress in the way that we thought of it at the time. I don't know if he was just so prescient, because I took him to task on this point uh, back in the day and uh, when I did this episode, but I think I still, I had a fondness for romanticism in general, like the romantic period of poetry and uh, writing literature in general, but I took him to task for being opposed to science and progress, and I was kind of uh, religious in my support for it in the particular episode, but I don't know if he was prescient in seeing how science and the idea of progress would be used eventually. I don't know if he ever wrote about that or talked about that, but Wow, if he was on the ball for that one. I know Nietzsche did. Nietzsche for sure saw that we were going this way. He explicitly used the term, from what I recall, I think he used the term scientism, a kind of religious adherence to the to the ideas that come out of science. And that's something that, wow, did we ever hit that full steam ahead, like a brick wall we hit that over the past couple of years. But for the whole issue with COVID, I don't know that we would have really understood it. I think we would have been more slowly boiled in the idea of trust the experts. Uh, but now I think a lot of people are waking up that you can't just do that. You have to challenge this stuff. Uh, when it comes to Yeats's poetry, however, I think I uh, referenced some jaggedness, but then later in the episode, I talk about how the quotes that I used were all gorgeous. They're just beautiful. <laughs> so I kind of ch- reproached myself for having talked about it as jagged. There's a lot from Irish mythology and folklore, which animates so much of what he writes about. So if you know more about that kind of stuff, then you're going to have a better time with it. But a couple of quotes that I referenced, the phantom beauty in a mist of tears, something uh, gorgeous about that line. And then from the second coming, the best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passion and intensity. And what rough beast it's hour come round at last slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. So those are the ones from Yeats, Yeats's poetry. Uh, you know, he's one of the ones I grew up with. I don't know if I'd say a favorite poet as of now. Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know. I haven't read as much poetry lately because I've been reading so much other stuff. But yeah, I mean, just beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff in there. So anyway, the other book, another book that we looked at was In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. You know, the true crime murder of the Clutter family. Of course, true crime is a big deal nowadays, especially on YouTube. I think every female I have ever met since the advent of YouTube has now talked about how much she loves true crime. You know, and when it comes to podcasts too, just listens to virtually nothing but true crime. But this is one of the OGs, one of the OGs to kind of fictionalize a true crime story. It was actually called a non-fiction novel. And one of the things that I talk about the episode is how much does the author insinuate himself into the actual story of the murder of the clutter family he had to reconstruct he reconstructed tons and tons of dialogue so how much does he actually push himself into that and make the story out of it and how much of the the characters what was it uh perry and hickok how much of those characters are created by the author you know the nuance and the intrigue and the the homosexual infatuation between the two how much is that created by the author as opposed to just 
just a, a reporting, you know, a stone-faced reporting of the reality of the situation. And one reviewer specifically talked about the details in the book, the incredible detail that could only be done by a novel writer when it comes to the town and the people of the town and uh, the defendants themselves. There is so much detail and wonderful writing in this book. It's absolutely worth reading over and over again. Next one, the next one was Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe. It was initially actually published under the name Robinson Crusoe as the author. So a lot of people thought that it was a true story. So you had those kind of marketing shenanigans that early the original title was ridiculous i did not write it down again for purposes of this but it talks about it in the episode but it's super it's like a whole paragraph title of this book like eight and twenty years on an island and all this other stuff is is pretty uh, pretty funny but it tells it like spoils the whole story just in the title it's ridiculous but it's kind of a simple realistic fiction you know it's just a guy who gets stranded on an island for a long time and has to figure out what to do there are a lot of christian references you know he gets a slave at one point and tries to convert the slave to christianity the character itself like robinson crusoe is not much of a character there's not much complexity to him it's kind of similar to a post-apocalyptic fantasy it's really just stripping down all of society and then you having to build it back up so it's that fantasy of having not having any of those chains on you from society and just being able to see what it would look like in the state of nature. So there's that book. For some reason, I felt like I wanted to read it again. <laughs> like I want to go to a beach somewhere and read it again. Uh, I'm not sure why, but uh, have that inclination. Uh, then I talked about Double Impact, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. I had an episode on this. I totally forgot that I'd done this, but it's, you know, straightforward 90s action movie. And it's where Jean-Claude Van Damme plays him and his twin brother. One of them's from like LA, one of them's from Hong Kong. And uh, they get into, you know, shenanigans and they have a girlfriend. Of course, there's an issue with the girlfriend flirting with the a twin or something. I don't know. It's, it's pretty weird. There's one point in the movie, though, where he's in a gunfight, and I actually counted how many shots he took without reloading, and he shot 80 times without reloading his guns, which is ridiculous. And just in general, I don't remember why anybody did anything in that movie. It, it was just a, you know, 90s action movie. Then there was an episode about a Bible for women. So there's this Bible that was being uh, produced that was being translated by women for women. They were talking about how they wanted to look more closely to the Bible to get more out of it that was, you know, less patriarchal or something like that. And this is always you know, hilarious. They say they, they look more closely and really they're just redefining based on an ideology. And I think that's what mostly what I talk about in the episode is that it's just ideologically based and go through a number of the quotes. So one of them they use, they said, okay, yeah, it says uh, wives have to be submissive to their husbands, but it also says husbands love your wives. And that was supposed to be a point in the translation that they could say, look, it's not as patriarchal or misogynistic as we thought it was. I don't know. Uh, and then I laud the praises of the New Revised Standard Version for having the most accurate interpretations of the Bible. And just uh, one thing that I, add, I would add now is I definitely have a more positive view of religion in general and the bible in particular so uh i wouldn't be as hard i wouldn't be as hard on just religious people period but this one specifically uh there's one quote i permit no woman to teach or have authority over a man so this is one that i use to say that okay well that's pretty tough to try to take that and say it's it's a feminist creed even though that particular passage uh, scholars are virtually certain it's pseudonymous it was added later but it's still it's part of you know Timothy right now today in our 27 books it's part of Timothy but anyway I I definitely there's something that there needs to be like a complete reinvigoration and new approach to the idea of men and women because the reality is you know there are, are different approaches to it but men and women are different they really are different they have different skills and abilities and we have been kind of using this fiction for a while 
profile that I certainly subscribe to for a long time. It's just uh, no, leave it all equal and let it all shake out. But you don't need to ignore reality when it comes to the normative understanding of, of the way that society should work. You know, obviously when it comes to legal understanding, yeah, everybody should be treated the same, the exact same, because you don't want the government to have that kind of a power to be able to just be arbiters of, of that kind of thing. But when it comes to our normative understanding of the way that, you know, people interact, we have to take into account that that men and women are different. That's just the reality. So anyway, on from there, the last one we'll talk about is Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. So this one we read a while ago. It was, uh, it's about the central character, the protagonist. She flees an arranged marriage and she, the book was criticized pretty heavily by Richard Wright, who criticized it as a flippant take on the black plight. And he said it was just undermining everything that they were trying to do seriously stuff that they were trying to do. But the authors, or Neil Hurston, really just wanted to write a romance story. That's all she wanted to do was write a romance story. And that's what she did. So the good things about it, it had a good setup because it had, you know, she's in an arranged marriage. She has to get out of it. And then she meets a couple of guys along the way. They're trying to flee to this all black town and they get to it and have to function in this all black town. There are a lot of good things about the setup and it's got colloquial dialogue, which was just refreshing to read. To me, I loved reading this. It was interesting and it took some time to get used to it. But once you did, it was just so much more fun to read, uh, you know, than some basic dialogue about this kind of a story. But ultimately i mean the bad thing about it is it ultimately is just a power fantasy you know it's a pure fantasy wish fulfillment everything in it's an ornament to the main character it's just to glorify the protagonist you know i was never bored though throughout the book i was never bored i was never like oh i want to put this thing down it's really superficial you know at one point there's this rich guy who just instantly becomes mayor of the town and and he's inexplicably enamored with her and then this other guy shows up in the store one day she's like amazing at running the store even though she never talks about it or describes why she's amazing at it or anything. But there's this good looking guy who shows up at the store and just completely falls head over heels for her. And there's this one event where <laughs> this she specifically describes this rival uh, romantic interest for, for the guy. She describes her as chubby. <laughs> specifically it's the only character in the book she describes as chubby but she says oh this chubby girl tries to hit on my guy and he turns her down <laughs> and there's just i mean nothing there are no real conflicts or anything there's nothing really when it comes to storytelling a plot or anything like that that's of interest but it's really just about a very superficial romance story that's in a different kind of a setting with the colloquial dialogue so, you know, I was glad, certainly glad to have read it, but that was that. So those are some of the books that we went through, some of the things that we talked about early on in the podcast, and I just wanted to get some of those out and kind of go back over them and see where we are. So anyway, uh, I hope all is well. I just um, set up, there are going to be a bunch of new episodes on the YouTube page. Uh, it took me forever to try to figure this stuff out and uh, get those things on there, but they're up there now. They're scheduled to be released, you know, consistently over the next while. And I'm trying to work on some animation stuff. You know, I love animation. I'm trying to work on this so that I can use it for the channel. And I did a little bit of it, you know, for like the background for these episodes, but I'd like to do a lot more. So anyway, uh, thank you very much everybody who's listening, who comments, who is subscribed, who gets all these episodes and listens to them. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope it's worth it. I hope I see you on the next one. All right, bye. (laughs) 